Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Sita Lay on surviving the horrific communist takeover of Cambodia and how she learned of Christianity. One night I heard the, um, the choir singing this in a very quiet night and you can see the echo through the mountain. This choir sing, um, sing this song. Actually, this song is um, Amazing Grace. Sita Lay, next. Sita Lay and her family were swept up in the brutal communist takeover of their country of Cambodia by the ruthless Khmer Rouge and their leader known as Pol Pot in the late 1970s. Sita's story is one of much adversity and answered prayer, protection, coming to believe in Jesus, and escaping her country. She tells her story in Christianity Today and in depth in her book, Two Teaspoons of Rice, the memoir of a Cambodian orphan, co-written by Monica Booth. Today, Sita is a clinical microbiologist living in Virginia. Sita, why did you want to tell this story of this very difficult part of your early life in Cambodia? Uh, at first, I did not want to tell about that because it seems like it is a tragedy. And nobody wants to hear that. People want to hear good stories. And uh, But later on, I realized it. Um, I, I mean, I experienced a lot of kids in here. Um, they complained about what they didn't have. Then I realized it. I have my story. Maybe can help them appreciate what they already have. And and they are they are really. Um, I think what they have here is a great. What I was when I was in their age, I didn't even have one part of what they have. And also, I was like always on the run, always fearful, always hungry, always um, not knowing what I. Um, the next day, how food or not. So I realized that I should tell this story to let other people maybe can help them appreciate what they already have. Now, you were living in Cambodia with your family in Phnom Penh. Is that right? The capital of Cambodia? Yes. I uh, uh, When before the communists took over, uh, before 1975, um, my uh I had a nice family. We live in Phnom Penh, the city of Cambodia. And uh, my father is a jeweler, and my mother is a housewife and take care of some children. And uh, we live very um, comfortably and peacefully. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when the Khmer Rouge came, the communism Khmer Rouge took over in 1975, then every one of us had to force uh, to leave our home to a countryside to be farmers. And we don't cannot take any belongings. There's a one-way ticket go out to the city, and that's how we start the communism at so, that time. So the Khmer Rouge were communist? They were Cambodian people? They, yeah, yeah, they were Cambodian, and they were the, the communist groups, and they called themselves... Khmer is a national, the like Cambodian, it's Khmer Rouge, they, uh, they give them title, their title, their name, or the group, party. 
So they are communist party um, group who are mostly created by peasants. And the peasants uh, join them, uh, team up and join them uh, uh, to, be, to set um, communists. And they were led by a person, uh, he had a different name, but he began to call himself Pol Pot, is that right? Yeah, yes, he's a Pol Pot leader, so he's the Khmer Rouge uh, leader at that time, yes. So you were you were just told to leave your house, get out, and you were for you and they basically evacuated the entire city of Phnom Penh. Correct. They evacuated the whole city. Not only told they just like forced us to leave at gunpoint too. That they you had to live here, live out the country, uh, city, and plus them. And there's a propaganda about the American going to bomb the city tonight. So leave now. That's, a, that's how it began. They told you it was a lie, but they told you that, um, the, as you just said, the Americans were going to bomb the city. But but uh, they moved you, uh, so many people, I, I mean, large numbers of people out into the rural areas, and there were essentially labor camps out there. Is that right? It's not labor camp. It, uh, it's just like, essentially, it's a, it's a jungle, it's a forest, it's an uncivilized area. There's no, no water. There's um, no houses. You just force us to go out there and we, we build our own hut and then our own shelter and then force us to cultivate the land. Clear the, the shrub, clear the tree, clear the shrub and cultivate the land for potato, rice, um, uh, any vegetation that can be uh, grow, plant. And uh, forced us to do that. And after that, after it finished uh, one section, one area, and then they move us to the next uh, section of the um, untouched land and cultivate uh, that land again and grow for plantation. Corn, potatoes, tomatoes, um, rice. So it was the Khmer Rouge that they were basically forcing people to do that. Yes. How many siblings did you have? Seven brothers and sisters. That's a big family. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, in the beginning, um, before, during evacuation, and then uh, one by one, I lost um, my little brother, and then my father, then my mother, and then my big brother along the way. So... Do I know during those four years of uh, uh, communism? Uh, so after, um, I mean, in between there and um, there were, even in between there, we were um, didn't have enough food to eat. Even we all were farmers, we still didn't have enough food to eat. Um, I don't know why, how, and because I they move up from places to places. When the food is ready to harvest, we got move again to to start to do all the farm work. Then we don't got to eat what we planted. And uh, uh, I, as a kid, I didn't know what's going on, and I didn't have any food to eat. And there were times that I had to go out to the forest to hunt for food, hunt for any edible roots, edible plants, edible leaves. And we took a risk. Sometimes we got poisonous uh, a mushroom. We ate it. But we were sick, but we, we survived from it. 
And it's just, um, you just have to hunt for whatever we can eat to survive. Not only that, only food, we will, we will have contracts, uh, different diseases, illnesses. Like myself, I had like malaria, dysentery. I had some type of flu, some type of fever, some type of viruses. I didn't even know what, what I had. Just no hospital, no, um, school, no economy, no, no, no store, no hospital, no, no, no economy at all. It's like, um, um, everyone were, were farmers or, or slavers, slaves. So, um, people, uh, after that, I mean, for myself, and then I, I encountered so many illnesses along the way. I realized it, uh, when I came to the state, people said, cat has my life. Yes. <laughs> Look at my story. I told them that, um, yeah, cat has my life. I think I beat them. <laughs> well, see delay your story. You write your story with Monica Booth, Two Teaspoons of Rice, the memoir of a Cambodian orphan. And those two teaspoons of rice, was that the amount of food? You, you at some point were in a, in a labor camp of some kind that was, was mainly for children. Is that right? Yes, yeah. They sometimes we have two teaspoons of rice. Sometimes we have one. Sometimes we have none. Sometimes we just have none for weeks. So it's just um, that's why we had to go eat and hunt and the edible uh, food out in the field. So, so sometimes we, um, for example, there was a, a section in my book that we had to steal from our communal plantation. Mm-hmm. We other corn right in the field but whatever you grew is not belong you cannot eat it you cannot it doesn't belong to you it's a communal kitchen to go to a communal kitchen so sometimes we had a kid we had we're so hungry we have to steal we went into the corn field and eat the corn raw corns so um we had to steal and those are that's uh there was one uh, one time I I I went into the corn field I I stole those corn you eat those are raw corn like baby corn mm-hmm. it's not ripened yet um so I ate that and I got caught and those are the spy boys um I got caught on those spy boys at that time though they recruit those uh, little boys to be spies spy on your spy on the people spy on your community spy on your parents. Um, so it's like they were trying to, uh, train brainwash and, uh, those spy boys. So I got caught and then I, I was, um, at that moment, I thought that I would have, I, I, I thought my life will end there at that moment. But, but, um, was not so some reason and I was spared. My life was spared. So in that, in that moment, I, I begin to realize it. Someone's looking out, out of me, uh, over me. I say, it must be God taking care of me. And at that moment, I said, God spare my life. And God must have some uh, reason to let me leave. And, and your mother told you, Sita, I think you mentioned in your book, to if you ever got into trouble, to pray. She encouraged you to pray to God, and you prayed to God a lot, right? Yes, yeah. When, when I'm in trouble, when I don't know what to do, don't have anybody to talk to or to ask, 
And at that time, everyone is so alone uh, and scared. Everyone don't want to talk about anything else. Don't want to mention about anything else. Some people can report you. And if you, if you say you don't like the current government, they can report you and then you can get killed the next day. You, you disappear. Yeah. People appear if they mention about anything that against the government. So that there's nobody else I can talk to, and my parents are not around, and they go. So I just like pray to God, and He teach me, show me the way, that teach me what to do. So you and your family, you were forced from your home in uh, Phnom Penh into the. As you say, basically into the rural areas, into the jungle areas, and uh, very, very extremely difficult, a starvation type of situation. But uh, the Khmer Rouge and Pol Pot, who was the leader, they were trying to, as I understand it, make Cambodia communist, and they killed many, many people in Cambodia. Isn't that right? I mean, of all different ethnicities. Yeah. One third, I'm sorry, one third of the population were uh, Venice. Uh, either from execution, uh, illnesses, diseases, or starvations. One third of the population from, I think, 1.7 from 2.5 million people at the time. So one third of the population were banished. They were killed for all kinds of reasons, right? For if they were intellectuals, if they were certain minority groups. I mean, there were so yes. many, so many reasons. Yes, uh, I mean most of the teacher, government officers, uh, uh, even business peoples. They are, they think that they are, they are well off, they are rich, they are not farm farmers. Anybody who's not farmer, peasants, and basically they think that they can rise against the government easily. And uh, for the people who are peasants or they I mean, they are not capitalists, probably. They uh they join their communists and then they become their communist party and they want something uh more equal to them so probably um those people survive and besides that all the intellectuals student teachers um from um business people uh government officers and they everyone fear to their life mm. so. How did you and your siblings get out? How did you, you eventually were refugees in Thailand. You somehow crossed the Cambodian border into Thailand. How did you escape? Okay, uh, the, the communism uh, uh, started in 1975. At, at the middle of uh, 1979, uh, literally almost four years into the communism, and the uh, Vietnamese invasion, Vietnamese came to uh, invade Cambodia. At that time, there were changes of government. And some people, the, they, the Khmer Rouge were, um, Vietnamese invaded Cambodia and the Khmer Rouge are running their life. Uh, they move east, west, whatever direction they move far away. And the people is not no longer under their control. So at that time, um, I saw the opportunity to, um, to go somewhere to escape from this um, the darkness. I said, it's no life for me in Cambodia. So, uh, but I heard about a lot of people trying to flee to Thailand. Then I found my way. I said, I, I, I along the way, I pray to God if I, uh, if I, where should I go? I, and 
At that time, when we were evacuated to the western part of uh, Cambodia, um, so if I come back to my hometown in Phnom Penh, it may take me one third of the distance. It will take me to Thailand. So it's just like too long for me to come back to my hometown in Phnom Penh. But if I thought if I go back to my hometown in Phnom Penh, how am I going to depend on who? My parents are gone and my aunt and uncle may die too. And so if I got there in the city, how am I going to make my living? How am I going to do what am I going to do? So I realized that um, if I go west, it is a shorter distance and may, I may have better opportunity. So I, bet, I pray to God and I just I take me where we need to take me. I, I, I don't know which, what to do. And then the, for some reason, God helped my way. He just I then I was able to, to know someone. He wanted to go to Thailand and this family like building for, uh, building for me to tag along with them. So I just tag along with this family, move from, from marketplace to marketplaces every time they move, uh, two miles a day, then rest two miles a day and shelter in the marketplaces. We don't want them to know that we're trying to escape. So, and we come to the closer to the border and the, um, this, um, family and many, many other family too. And let me, let us five kids take along. Four kids actually. I lost my sister at that time. Let these four kids take along with them. And uh, it's just like, it's just some, somebody tried to uh, help me out. So it, then I just uh, escaped with those people to, to Thailand. Your siblings with you too? Yeah, my four my other sibling were with me, but along the way, I was my one of my sisters got separated. So when and when we got to the the Thailand, and then we we found each other. Mm. When we found each other, we said, "Let's go into." There were UN buses waiting to pick us up, and when we found each other, we said that no more running. Let's go on the bus, and then we go. We just go to the refugee camp. Was it in that refugee camp, if I remember correctly, Sita, that you you first heard about Christianity, about about Jesus? Is, is that right? Yes, uh, and that refugee camp, and I was uh, um, I was I put in the orphanage. We all my five siblings were in the orphanage, and um, we at a refugee camp. We got a school, little school to go to go to. And there was a, a church, a missionary church. It's a long, big, long hut, um, not far away from my um, my post, my refugee camp, uh, my my station, uh, my orphanage area. But one night, I heard the um, the choir singing this in a very quiet night, and you can see the echo through the mountain. This choir sing um, sing this song. Actually, this song is um. Amazing Grace. Mm. And the choir sang that song and I, I listened to that song and I heard like, my tear came along, my goosebump. My tear came along. I used to listen to music, but up those four years, there's no music. And I feel like, oh, wow, this is very peaceful and sounds very um, peaceful and loving and caring and smoothing. And then for sure, the next day, I ran into, I, I, I followed that, that sound. I said from that direction. So the next day, I, uh, 
I I went to school. I had a school in a camp. So I told my sibling, if I don't come back on time, uh, don't look for me, okay? Because um, um, if they look for me, they look for me. They know where am I? Am I disappear? Then I, I don't want to get to get trouble. And then um, I followed that. I found I found that church, and and they said, "Oh, what is this place?" And uh, so there was a wooden wooden cross on them. In, in the uh, in this big hut, so some of the ladies, uh, missionary ladies, or some Cambodian lady too, and they said, "Oh, this is the uh, this is the church. This is a uh, a God's house." God's house. And, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they just sit there and question. They just sit on those benches and look at uh, the the church, look at the cross, and uh, just. And that moment, I just feel like I found God. In the refugee camp? Yes. Did you tell your siblings as well? Did you tell them what you yes. had found? Yes. Uh, yeah, then, um, yeah, then I, I, when I got back, I said, I told them uh, what where I was, what I was, and then um, yeah, I told them about that. Um, and okay, yeah, they, they're happy. They're happy, and uh if we all go, and then uh, at that time, I uh, uh, believe in God is not uh, being a Jesus um, Christianity, Christian. You're a Christian, other people condemn you too. It's, it's like um, they're not for, uh, most people are Buddhist, mm-hmm. and not uh, uh, for, uh, you don't know, break about that uh, at that time. So I go to church and join the choirs. And I had my uh, classmate um, uh, join. Uh, they all because we all like uh, teenager, and we all uh, went together. Two, three of us went to check it out, and we joined the choirs, and we we sing song. We had fun. And and, and this was in the refugee camp. Yes, in the refugee camp, we were given the Bibles in the hand, a handbook. So mm-hmm. we started learning, um, um, reading. Try to learn reading the Bibles. At that time, there were the Bibles in Khmer. I didn't know how to read English yet. So I have a Bible in, in Cambodian. Mm. I have in Cambodian also. So we sing in uh, Cambodian. Was it there in the refugee camp that you you and your siblings came to believe in Jesus? Yes, in the in the same refugee camp. We'll see that you you were in the and this is what in the probably the late nineteen seventies somewhere around there. Just nineteen seventy nine, end of nineteen seventy nine. So you were living under the Khmer Rouge. Was it around four years in that situation? Uh, yes, under the Khmer Rouge, there was no no singing, no book, no school to go. So after I escaped to Thailand. Um, I was uh, I was in in Thailand in the refugee camp two years. So those two years, I was able to start to learn ABCs. Started to have some school to uh, catch up, um, continue my school. Uh, so I was able to have started school there for the last two years. I was able to um, have freedom to go to church and go to school. And go play outside or inside the the house, the hut, quarter. They they built it as uh, 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 something like hut for the orphanage in the orphanage. Mm. Just quarters. They they have four long huts um, in a square rectangular. We have a courtyard. 
So we can play in the courtyard and we we can play inside, outside. We can go to school. We can go out to the the within the camp, uh, the big camp, refugee camp. So we can go to school. We can go to church. We can go anywhere we want within that camp. So that was the first freedom we got. You felt so, you felt safe there. Yeah, I felt safe. We have freedom to do things and freedom to sing. Zita Lay is my guest, and she's a clinical microbiologist today in Virginia. We're talking about her memoir, Two Teaspoons of Rice, The Memoir of a Cambodian Orphan. It was uh, written uh, al along with Monica Booth. And well, Zita, how did you and your siblings come to the United States? It was with the help of a, a church, wasn't it? Yeah, there's a Catholic church in St. Margaret Mary Catholic Church in Rochester, New York. But this church, um, at that time, uh, church is sponsored refugees. And uh, one of these church, um, the, it took the whole Paris uh, people to agree on a pound to sponsor us, a sponsor five orphans over. So they sponsor us over along with um, my friends and other, other um, uh, my friends who in um, in refugee camp, they introduced uh, this um, uh church and St. Margaret Mary Catholic Church sponsor us over from the refugee camp to Rochester, New York. And so you you that's how you you and your siblings came to the United States and then I think you also mention in your Christianity Today piece another significant uh, influence on you was when you were in college you were part of a small a small church or I think you said a small Protestant church as well. Yes, we were in college and um they are missionary. They are van come and pick up the students to go to churches because they have no means to get there and as a student. So I I feel comfortable and I just I go Friday night and enjoy the um the community get, gathering and we do some Bible study. We sing some song. We have potlucks and uh, it's a way to praise God at that time. Well, uh, Sita, our time has gone so quickly, and I know that this is just a little bit of your story. You tell more of it in your memoir, Two Teaspoons of Rice, the memoir of a Cambodian orphan. But uh, in Christianity Today, your uh, article there uh, ends with you You learned both in the, in the Catholic Church and in the Protestant Church more and more about the God who had watched over you in Cambodia and who had heard your prayers and your many different prayers that you asked God for, for help. Uh, that he answered, and whose grace was and still is so amazing. And I'm wondering, can you can you explain to us a, as we conclude today, what is it about God's grace that is amazing? What is His amazing grace? I think God is always with you, and if you look for Him, He will be in your side. Do not, He will open His door. I, I think it's amazing. So, I mean, without God, I don't think I can possible. Um, go through all what I have been through, and I can can imagine how I can survive in situation like that so many times. So I think uh, God is amazing. I think God is on the one who bring me here. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Sita Lay, co-author along with Monica Booth of Two Teaspoons of Rice, the memoir of a Cambodian orphan. Today, Sita is a clinical microbiologist living in Virginia. You can read her testimony at ChristianityToday.com.
I hope you can join us again on Monday at the same time for another edition of His People. Thanks for listening.